think my, I mean, what I'd like to, to, to for people to see in my wine is that, you know, each bottling has its own individual characteristics, which are totally unique. In this episode, I'm talking to Tyrell Myberg, winemaker at Eustenberg Wines. Hi, good morning, Tyrell. Yes, morning, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Where are you yeah. in the local Paul? But um, I'm in Paul, yes. I'm yeah. on the uh, at Eustenberg Wines. Um, yeah. And sitting in one of the old buildings, which we use as a tasting room. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. And it's lovely, lovely, sunny, and and still warm in the in Paul. Yes, it's very warm. I think today we'll get to thirty-five degrees. So, wow. Yeah, that's warm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's but that's typical for the, the for that region. Yeah. So um, February and March, especially February, is very hot, but March can still be quite warm. And then um, in the second half of March, it starts cooling down a bit um, but we have good weather in April even in early May we can have quite good weather mm. uh, you know the winter only really kicks in June June July August of the you know the, the coldest months yeah but you you been here yeah I live I live oh, yeah yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> So I know I know a little bit about it, yeah. But tell okay. me about this this tasting room and this building that you are sitting in at the moment. Yeah, so it's the um, it's what they call the the var the varnace. Yeah. In the old days, so it was where they kept the the wagons and the and the horses. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think it was built in the early eighteen hundreds. We don't have an exact date. Um, my family only arrived on the farm in 1870. Um, yeah, but this building, so the early 1800s, and um, I think right until uh, pretty much just after the First World War, it was still used for for keeping horses and for keeping the, the wagons or the carts. Um, and then I think after the Second World War, especially, the, the function of the building changed quite a bit. Um, and my grandfather and then my father were farming with pigs. So part of it was used for keeping pigs. Um, and then when I was little, um, so, you know, right until I was about, when you think now, I mean, from my my childhood memories are that this is where we kept the, the tractors and there was a farm workshop. So yeah, it's changed through the years, um, but the basic design is still exactly the same. Um, yeah, I mean, you can see behind me, it's, I yeah, see. it's just a so whitewashed building. Mm. Yeah, that's typical like a, a Cape Dutch building. Yes. Something like that, yeah. But now tell me, this is so interesting because this is only recently then that you've started making wines. Yeah, so there's, um, look, it it is an old farm. So the first um, sort of official title deed is in 1696, I think. Yeah. Um, So it was uh, um, an employee of the Dutch East India Company. I think he was Swedish. He... um, got ownership of the farm and that that's when 
um, the first building was 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 built. Um, and there's a there's an old house on the farm that my brother lives in, a sort of an old Cape Dutch house, which um, is a national monument. And and in that house, there's a, a library with some old documents um, from the early days. And we can see that. Uh, around about 1750, 1760, wine was made on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made Pontac, a red, a red wine called Pontac, which mm-hmm. is a grape that is nearly extinct in the Cape. Um, there's a little bit of it around, and there's, I think, we, we're going to plant some next year. And then they made um, Muscadel as well. Um, oh, yeah. And later on, they made brandy. There's an old brandy still on the farm. Mm-hmm. And so that there is a, a winemaking tradition that carried on until um, 1947. Um, so the, yeah, we, I mean, I'm not sure if it, <laughs> if it, if it was uninterrupted for that 200-year period. Um, yeah. You probably find that there were times they made wine and then there were times that they didn't. Um, you know, the history of the of the Cape wine industry is a little bit boom and bust. So they were depending on, you know, the Napoleonic Wars or whatever the relationship was with, with Britain. The, the wine industry was either um, very active or else it was, or not. <laughs> yeah. So there's a long history of, of wine on the farm. But after the Second World War, um, the... The, the new government, which was the National Party government, they encouraged the creation of a lot of cooperatives um, in the in the Cape Winelands. So a lot of the smaller farms stopped making wine and started selling their grapes to the cooperative. Um, and that's what happened at Eustenburg. So my great-grandfather, he closed the winery door, sold all the equipment, and then started selling grapes to one of the local co-ops. Um, and that carried on until 1999, uh, which is when I became involved. And in 1999, we made a small amount of wine again. And then in 2000, we started properly. So there's a lot of history. Um, yeah. uh, what was the interest there? Did you go and study winemaking? Or what was the interest then to take over the, the wine? Yeah, look, I had grown up on the farm. Um mm. So it was something that we spoke about around the dinner table, um, you know, talking about the history of the farm. And my father and my grandfather would tell me about, um, you know, the old days when they can remember wine was made. And so it did intrigue me. And I always thought that maybe one day, you know, if I had the opportunity, I would, um, I would, you know, start the winemaking um, process again. But, you know, after high school, I actually went to university and I first, um, I studied a a Bachelor of Arts. Um, I had some law subjects, but I majored in philosophy and in sociology. Um, And then after that, I I traveled a bit in the the USA and then I I worked on the farm. And during that process, especially while I was away from home, um, I, I kind of... I don't know, just realized that, wow, that could be something quite special. And at that stage, you know, uh, you know, I'd started drinking more wine um, and I just kind of fell in love with the, with the product. So then I decided to actually go back to university and study viticulture and enology. 
and I worked a few harvests in, I worked in California and I worked in, in France. Um, so that's where, yeah, how it all started. <laughs> and this experience, that, did you think it was important to have that experience outside South Africa? Yes, that's very important, um, especially at that stage. Um, you know, I grew up during the 80s. That was those were my high school years in the sort of the deepest, darkest um, part of, of the sort of apartheid era. Um, and we were very isolated. And the one thing about wine is you, yeah, if, if, if you want to make kind of fine wine, you need to taste and drink fine wine. And not only that, you need to experience other cultures and especially food. Um, and you can only get that through traveling really. Um, I mean, Cape Town has changed now. They're much better restaurants and there, you know, there is more imported wine and so on. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, you, you just don't get the same experience. Um, I mean, the best experience is really to just kind of live it. So yeah. it doesn't really matter. You can be working in a French winery, for example, and you can be, um, you know, spending most of your time doing kind of almost manual labor. I mean, it's you cleaning things. Um, but, but you, you kind of, you infuse, um, the local, you know, culture and food. And I think that's very important. It's just, it's mainly about kind of just broadening your mind and experiencing something. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the, the actual winemaking process, the sort of the, the recipe is not that different in California and France and South Africa, the, you know, the basics are are kind of the same, but so, uh, it's not such a technical thing you need to learn. It's more kind of a mindset that you need to, to change. <laughs> yeah, but this is actually interesting because this is what made me think of uh, uh, talking to winemakers because of the fact that I didn't, you didn't, you don't think of it, but it's really a form of art. It's not a, uh, it's not, just the science but there's like you say there are so many other influences involved and mm. um yeah and and do you think that of, of your wines do you think that you are creating something um when you make a wine or or do you just think it's it's like uh you know a formula that you you go with yeah no i mean i i think it is a very creative process um i'm not sure what the difference is between art and craft and maybe that's a big kind of debate um yeah but it, it it's very creative and the, the thing with wine is it doesn't start um you know with a box of grapes that you turn into into wine it, it starts with uh, you know out in in the vineyard um and and it's where you plant the grapes, it's what grapes you plant, it's the soil, it's the slope, it's the, you know, the, the overall climate in the area. And then it's the, you've got a major influence on the way you can grow grapes. And it's, you know, you can make decisions which have profound um, kind of impact. So for example, I could plant, um, you know, I could plant a grape like Sinso, um, which makes really good wine, but I could plant it 
in such a way that will enable me to get a very high yield and I can fertilize it, I can irrigate it, and I can end up with, you know, uh, harvesting 20 tons of grapes per hectare. And on that same um, site, I can do it differently and end up harvesting, you know, four or five tons and I could make a really interesting wine. So, I mean, that's an extreme example, but it, it, the whole process is about making decisions, but it's, it can literally take years. Um, <laughs> like if I look at the vineyards I'm working with, um, the oldest vineyard on the farm was planted in 1982. Uh, so I was 11 years old at that stage. Um, it was really my father that planted it. Um, but, you know, so what he did and the way that I've managed the vineyard since then, and the vineyard, so the vineyard is now 40 years old, you know, has an impact on the, the wine. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it is a, it's, it's just a, it's, it's quite a long-term process and quite an elaborate process. Um, yeah, ultimately, yeah, I mean, is it art? I mean, I, I would think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> is I'm it an art form? Yeah, but I'm also thinking uh, how we, so it's it's the taste of the wine, of course, but there's so much around. I mean, if, if I just look at your tasting room, so this is part of your story and this is part of how you mm. sort of give this experience of the wine and your label mm. and the whole, the whole thing yes. around it. Yeah. yeah, I think my, I mean, what I'd like to, 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 for people to see in my wine is that, you know, each bottling has its own individual characteristics, which are totally unique. Um, and, okay, and there's yeah, a, now you have to tell me. <laughs> and then there's a story okay, yeah. behind, yeah. So for example, um, I've got some bottles here. We, we just read did some of our packaging so yeah. um i'm not sure can you yeah i can oh. see yeah oh that's one. yeah 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 so this wine is called fairhead mm -hmm. um and yeah well, anyway i can't um yeah. and fairhead was my mother's maiden name um, and when she arrived on the farm, um, she had this passion for, for flowers and she planted the most amazing gardens. And then she actually started a cut flower business and she did flower arrangements at weddings and uh, she oh, wow. sold flowers. Yeah. I mean, that really was her, she kind of spent her life, her adult life, focusing on, on, on that. Um, so that inspired me to make this specific wine. Um, and, and what I've done is I've taken all the, the, the white varieties we have on the farm and I've made a, a blend of all the white varieties. Um, and some of them are quite aromatic varieties. So that's, it's Chenin Blanc, which is not very aromatic, but then it includes Roussan, uh, Viognier and Alvarino, which are, are quite aromatic. And, and for me, it's uh, I'm trying to express almost like a like a bouquet of, of, of flowers. So she oh. would walk around her gardens and pick, you know, roses and greenery and poppies and different things and end up with a, a beautiful bouquet. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with that wine. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. And what so, did you want to say about this? 
Yeah, I know. Well, she she passed away a few years ago, but she. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, she did. Um, yeah, she she enjoyed it, and then it, you know it goes through to the the label. So, um, wow. so all these little flowers on the label are actually um, species that grow wild on the farm and in the neighbourhood. Um, but the, the the next generation, um, so myself and my wife and my brother and his family we all live on the farm we've also got a passion for for gardening but we've got more of a passion for kind of wildflowers so we're trying to re-establish the the kind of the 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 endemic um um you know natural side of the farm so that also comes through on the labels but also i think in in the wine so that's the story of of that wine so every wine has a different story um this I one for it. example yeah is called uh the after us um and it's made from the oldest vineyard on the farm that's a vineyard planted in 1982 and that's a close-up of the vines um the bark of the of the vine that's where the, the drawing came from um, the artist is um, yeah did you, I wanted to ask if, who's the artist of this because it's beautiful. Yeah, so you can actually look her up on on Instagram. Her, she's a, a young artist in Cape Town, um, Maria Magdalena Campbell. Yeah, is her name. I will. <laughs> and, I will definitely look her up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. So the the idea is to have a range of wines. We've got six wines, and each one has got a very specific kind of story and, 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 and character. And what is that wine that you said, the Achterhoes? The Achterhoes, so um, it's a Chenin Blanc. Yeah. And it's an old, old vine Chenin Blanc. Um, and the reason we call it the Achterhoes is because um, there's a, Achterhoes in English is the hind ox. So mm -hmm. in the old days, when, when oxen were used to pull the plows or the, the wagons, the, the smallest ox was always put in the back of the team. And as it grew, as it got bigger and stronger it, over the years, it would, it would work its way to the front of the team. And there's a saying in Afrikaans, which means, figure, uh, literally it means the hind ox also gets there. Yeah. Um, but um, figuratively it means, you know, if, if you start doing something and you you inexperienced or you're not very good at it at the beginning, you just need to carry on and eventually you'll get there. So don't give up. And yeah. this vineyard for the first 25 years, we sold the grapes and we didn't think it was a very special vineyard, but as it got older, we realized actually this is our favorite vineyard on the farm. So, really? you know, with time, it just got better and better. So that's the story behind that wine. And that's the one, <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, yeah. yeah, so this is a, um sure Chenin Blanc yeah um so it's a uh, so this is a blend of various Chenin Blanc vineyards on the farm and the 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 images of the vines roots with um the soil-borne fungi called uh, mycorrhiza oh, yeah yeah so you know we farm oh, organically um that's a big yeah. part of what we're doing um 
And it's all about looking after the soil and improving the soil. That's the main aim of you know organic farming. I mean, soil is everything. Soil is life. And if you look below the soil surface or look at soil under a microscope, you'll see that there are literally billions and billions of microorganisms that you know that that live in the soil. And I think what's becoming quite um, interesting in the you know in the last few last decade or two, there's been a lot of research, you know, with what's actually happening down there. And there are these um, communities of microorganisms that that actually play a very important function to the life of any um, plant, including a vine. And and what they found is that the roots of a plant um, they can absorb moisture and there are some basic nutrients and um, um, that they can that they can absorb directly from the soil but a very big part of their nutrients are actually absorbed um, through through the relationship they have with these um, microorganisms so what happens is oh. especially especially mycorrhiza will will convert um, these nutrients into a form that the roots can then absorb. So, so the, the microorganisms are almost like a conduit. So without these microorganisms, the plant actually can't survive. Um, so it's a symbiotic relationship between the roots and the microorganisms. And and you know what that kind of tells you on a practical level is that you really need to make sure your soils are very alive um, and full of microorganisms in order for your plant to um, to be healthy, to build resistance to disease and pests. Um, wow. yeah, so that's that label label is kind of yeah. trying to illustrate the whole you know relationship between the roots and and these microorganisms but that um, is amazing that you did that and and that um i mean this is the same that we we now read so much about um our microorganisms in our bodies as well you know yes. And, um yes yeah and and yeah. is this something that as uh, this now how you treat the soil is this something you really consider now how you treat the soil yes Yes, yeah, so that's that's definitely so we you know avoid the use of any kind of chemical applications yeah. to our soil, um, and we started bringing animals into the vineyards. So during the winter months, we have sheep that graze in the vineyards, and they will then leave their manure in the vineyard, and that will encourage um, you know microbial activity. Yeah. Um, we plant cover crops in um, in autumn that then grow during winter, um, and 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 those will then break down and also you know enrich the the soil. Um, yeah, so I mean that's that's a big focus for us is doing whatever we can to increase life in the soil. The other thing is we try and avoid plowing as much as possible because in our climate. As soon as you plow the soil, um, you have a lot of carbon dioxide which is released into the atmosphere, so the CO2, you know, gases. Um, but you also, because we have so much sun, you end up exposing um, the the microorganisms to the sun and, and actually oh. killing them. So, 
yeah, if you if you plow too regularly, you actually end up kind of killing your your soil. Um, so that's that's quite a big thing. Yeah. So on a practical level, that's sometimes it's difficult you've to manage that because there are certain short term benefits to plowing because you, you 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 can eradicate weeds which compete with your vines but the long-term effect is is very negative so you you always need to kind of be aware of that so you you can't think about what's happening next month you've got to think about what's happening in the next hundred years mm. um, and and yeah. can you, because i heard also from a winemaker that the soil really also influences well well or that they don't really know how much the soil influences the taste of the wine. But do you think mm. um, this organic way of of growing and and or or, or treating the the soil um, mm. will in effect change the taste of wine in the long term? You know, if if you think of of how you are treating the soil in over say a period of twenty years, your grapes will mm. be different. Yeah, look, I, I think it's difficult to pinpoint an exact sort of um, flavor compound that will then come through, okay. you know, because mm. it's organic. I think it's more about just um, improving the health of your soil mm. and therefore improving the health of your vine. And if you have a healthy vine in a healthy environment, you will, you will grow fruit, which is kind of tastier oh, yeah, yeah. And, and less reliant on chemicals so it's mm -hmm. yeah i mean there's a big debate about um you know mineral minerality in wine and flavors that you get in your wine because of the soil and it's difficult to i think scientists haven't managed to take a glass of wine yeah. and to um isolate the flavor and link that to the specific um, rock formation that the soil was derived from. You know, that it's not an exact, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to. It is an art, it is not a science. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I guess so. <laughs> well, but this is so interesting. I, I think um, I'm a person who I'm very much interested in these stories you know behind things mm -hmm. i think that for me this also makes part of the experience of drinking the wine and uh, yes. it's wonderful but but the fact that you grow so or that you work so organically i think this is um you know this is great also for the environment mm -hmm. not not just for the wines but also you know for the environment yeah, no, I think, look, it's the decision was twofold. I think the in the, in the first case, it's, it is about, you know, everybody needs to do what they can to look after the environment. And we've all, you know, consumers can make decisions which have a radical impact on the product that's available. So if more people buy, I don't know, organic tomatoes, for example, um, eventually that's going to change the way tomatoes are farmed. Um, and in my case, um, you know, I, wine is really a luxury product and I think I have the opportunity to, to make a difference with the way I, I farm. Um, 
So I think I've got a duty to to do that. So I think just uh, kind of almost on a moral level, we all need to do what we can to make a difference. Um, luckily, it's kind of easy for me. Um, and then secondly, I do, you know, we've, we've just had this discussion, but I do think that um, organic farming is a way of... Um, of improving your your soil um, and and I think ultimately that will allow me to make wine which is more kind of authentic which is more true yeah. to to my little space on earth um, and I think wine must be good it must be delicious but I, I think wine should also be authentic mm. I think if you're having a bottle of Jürsenberg it shouldn't taste like a Chenin Blanc from Chile or from the Loire Valley. It, it yeah. should taste like it's coming from a, a specific place. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the whole organic way of doing things helps me to, to kind of move towards that ideal. Mm. Mm. Well, it's you see, I studied philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's wonderful. But... But I mean, already in your labels and and the way you 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 know approach the wine is is so different and and mm. also interesting. And I think this is the mm. wonderful thing about um, these specific. I mean, this this is what I miss about South Africa is this uh, all these different uh, wines that have these stories and and the farms where you visit and and. You can taste and it's wonderful. Now, I just want to ask you, okay. what's your wish for the future? Oh, that's a difficult question. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you know what? I've got kind of a very, when it comes to my wine business, <laughs> um, I've got a very simple philosophy, I think. Um, you know, I'd like to, to have a wine business which... Um, Obviously, it needs to be profitable. Otherwise, nothing is possible. So that is a that's important. But as important, you know, I want to um, have a business that creates opportunities for for everybody that that works with me and an opportunity to improve their their lives. Um, so that's important. And then um, so I've, and then the, the other thing is, you know, I would like to to leave one day when I stop farming, I would, I would want the condition of the farm, the environment, the soil to be better than when I started. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's important. So I think the social aspect and the environmental aspect are, are, are both very important, high up on my wish list. Yeah. And it's, it's something that you think that you would love uh, for your children to carry on with? Yeah, you know, I'm not very. I've got I've got two sons, um, and I want, I want them to follow their dreams. Um, yeah. I mean, if if either of them decides they want to get involved, then I would be happy for them to do that. But I think it's very important that there mustn't be any pressure for them to do that. They, yeah. they need to do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> But at the moment, they're 16 and 18, so it's a bit early. Oh, okay, so they, yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're not there yet. <laughs> but um, I, I just I, I want the last thing. Um, can you do a shout out? Can Jusenberg Wines do a shout out to a restaurant or a coffee shop in your area? 
Uh, yeah. Is there a place uh, that you visit regularly? Yeah. Look, in Stellenbosch, I go. We go to a restaurant called Genki. Yeah. Quite often, which is a bit of a Japanese and Asian um, influenced restaurant. I really enjoy that. Um, I often go to the restaurant at Glen Ellie, which is another winery. It's called the Vine Bistro, which is a more kind of a bistro, traditional bistro style food. Um, yeah. uh, and there's another restaurant in Stellenbosch, which is actually brand new called Raycott's. R-U-R-Y-K-A-R-T-S. Mm -hmm. That's also a really good, really good restaurant and a new what restaurant. Do I, what do they um, have on their menu? I mean, what um, type of restaurant? Look, it's. I'm guessing it is a little bit of a French-inspired in a way, okay. but with a South African, a South African twist. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll I'll find those links and put them yes. also in the description. Then, uh, yeah, okay. that's a good uh, a good way to to link. But yeah. um, thank you so much for your time and for talking about your wines and your beautiful winery and. Uh, um, where is this? Where can where can this be found or bought? Um, yes, yes, we do export. Unfortunately, we don't export to Austria. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but we have got a very small importer in Germany called Cape Winelands. Yeah. Uh, and they are in Bonn, mm -hmm. um, actually in Cologne, in Cologne, and then. Um, We've got an import in Utrecht in Holland, which is, yeah, it's, it's oh, quite okay. important. So it's yeah. time to start exporting to Austria now. I know, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get that right as I'm saying. Tarol, thank you so much for your time yeah, and, and um, happy harvesting. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.